Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Suave. I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different route, change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports For baseball, boxing, golf, and more BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All righty, guys, we are back with another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Robinson, and we are back today with another special, special guest. But before we introduce our special guest, you know we got to get the business out of the way. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and stop what you're doing. Tap that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. We've had, we're having some amazing amazing guests on this creator series we have another one today i have a wonderful conversation that we're looking forward to get into but like i said if you watch this on uh, spotify go ahead and give us a five-star rating it goes a long way tell a friend to tell a friend that was my guy pull up tay on the intro just dropped an album so y'all go ahead and stream that it's gonna be him on the outro as well one of the hottest artists out of the dmv but guys like i said we are in full force with our creator series here. Uh, we're tapping into the business of basketball today, and I'm pleased to be joined by the Director of Client Services for Lift Sports Management, Ashley Cox. Ashley, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Um, now, for everybody listening to this, obviously, like, like I said, man, we've been kind of tapping into a different lane at, with the pod a couple, you know, last recent weeks with some, you know, photographers, stylists. Now we're getting into the business of sports a little bit. And um, I wanted to get this interview done, man, because I feel like as a player myself, I know how important it is to establish a team, you know, when it comes to athletes and have people that are behind the scenes that are kind of handling things and, and things of that such. So we're going to get into all of that. We're asking today, going to learn a lot. But, you know, we're going to start off with a little bit of a lighter note. You know, I just want to reflect Ashley I know you were just out there at summer league summer league is freaking crazy I know it's like the basketball convention so just talk to me about the vibes at summer league this year you know what was it like out in Vegas I know uh I feel like everybody was out there this year but just talk to me about summer league and what that experience was like this year um I mean first and foremost 11 days in Vegas is criminal um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is definitely my favorite time of the summer um I had actually interned with NBA Summer League when I was in college for four years. So to now go back and be on the other side and work for a sports agency and be there to, you know, watch our guys, it's it's really cool to see how much the event itself has grown over the years. Um, I get to, you know, see my guys, but I also get to connect with my Summer League family. I get to see, you know, other friends in the industry, network, connect, do all those things. So it's just the best place to be at aside from the heat um, during the summer, because everyone is in one place, whether you're established or you're looking to break in, into the industry, it's definitely the the best place to be. 
Yeah, I know it was plus 100 out there. I, I feel bad for you guys out there for that because I know that Vegas <laughs> heat is something crazy. Yeah, no, it was it was very, very, very hot. I mean, I spent a lot of the time in the gym or the hotel and going to different places, so it wasn't a, a lot of time spent outside, but it was definitely hot when you're getting in the car and getting out and walking to the arena and things like that. Walking that strip. Um, <laughs> what would you say is your favorite part of Summer League? I think just seeing so many familiar faces and getting to connect with people that I've known for a really long time. Um, like I said, I interned with them when I was in college, so not to age myself, but I started in 2013. And so 10 years later to be on the other side and just seeing where everybody is, whether they're working for teams now or working for a brand um, or at, uh, an agency, you know, just where everyone is now. I think that's just my favorite part is seeing everyone that I've known for a really long time. Nice, nice. Now, also, man, shame on me. Happy belated birthday. Actually, just, just happy happy birthday. So, everybody, go ahead and wish her a happy birthday. You know what I'm saying? Show, show her some love. I hope your birthday went well. Um, well, life to you. What was the, What was the birthday festivities this year? Did you have some fun? Do a little dinner? You know what? I did. I had a lot of fun. I because I was coming off of Vegas. I was like, I want to sit in a dark room that's cool, sixty-eight <laughs> degrees in silence all day, do nothing, and I ended up having a massage schedule my boss scheduled me a massage and a facial at a resort in Orange County and then I had a dinner with friends that night that was planned like three days before um so it was to have started out and like not wanting to do anything to it being what it was it was like I, I needed it I didn't think I did but I needed it and I was really glad that uh, my birthday happened the way that it did so I'm, I'm going into 29 um, refreshed and ready to take on the year. Love it. Love it. Shout out to the <laughs> boss, man, getting the massage. That's, you get points for that. Definitely get points. I definitely cried when I found out about it. I was like, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> really, I was really appreciative of it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Man. So I'm, a, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back with some more. I got some more questions about the, 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 the dinner vibes and LA vibes later on. We're going to add to the, the, the fun part of the podcast, but, um, I do want to ask you, man. So, kind of getting into the, the the business of everything, right? I want to ask you, I did some research and I, I found that you were a volleyball player back in high school. So my question is, what made you want to work in basketball, right? Like, how did you kind of make that transition uh, initially to where you were, you know, you mentioned you interned with the summer league as well. So um, where did that, I guess, interest uh, in basketball come after playing, you know, volleyball for most of your life? Yeah, um, well, I did play high school and college, um, but I <laughs> working summer league and working in basketball honestly just fell into my lap. Um, I went to high school with Mike Brown, who was the former Laker coach. Mm -hmm. um, I went to high school with his kids and mm -hmm. I got to know their family really well. And so when I was home, my freshman year of college during the holidays, I went to watch his oldest play that was still at modern day. Um, and Albert Hall, who runs the NBA Summer League, was there. So Coach Brown was like, you know, tell him what you want to do. And I'm like, I'm 18. I don't know what I want to do with my life. And um, Albert told me about Summer League, said to send, you know, my resume. And I did. And in retrospect, I, I guess I didn't realize how hard it was to get into it unless you're like grandfathered in. It's the average person. It's It's kind of hard for you to get involved with an event like that. So it was right place, right time, and it really just fell into my lap. Jeez. Yeah. Now, like I mentioned before we before we on air, man, it's early out here in Japan. I did know that you played in college. I actually played four <laughs> years of college volleyball at UC Riverside. 
So I don't want to make folks think I ain't do my research, man. <laughs> early, so y'all, y'all forgive me. Um, but so I want to talk about your, your your volleyball career though. Like obviously, you know, I mentioned playing at UC Riverside. Like, you know, you mentioned that I know volleyball was like your first love. So talk about kind of just the the playing days of of Ashley. You know, before the business side, Ashley the athlete. Yeah. Well, we're, my family is a big like football and volleyball family. My mom, my aunt, my uncle, they all played volleyball. Um, so I feel like I was destined to play. Um, but I mean, I'm five, four and a half and I played outside hitter, which is extremely undersized, but I was just a fiery firecracker. Like I was super competitive. I still am. Um, I did not have the greatest ball control. All I wanted to do was hit. Um, but I humbly could jump out of the gym. <laughs> and so that was like my superpower. Like I, I loved playing outside. I loved, I miss it. Like I, I played sand the other day with some friends and I suck at sand volleyball because I can't jump as high in the sand. And I've obviously gotten older. My knees don't work the same, <laughs> um, but I like, I miss the game because it's just, it's fun. It's competitive. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I answered that right, but I just, I was super competitive and I loved the game a lot. So you say you jump out of the gym. So you're saying basically that if you was playing basketball, you'd be, you'd be dunking on folks. And if you was like 5'10", that's what it sounds like. Not quite, but I definitely could touch the rim or I was like just under the rim. I, I, four, I, though. So if you was 5'10", that means you probably could be. You probably could be at my height, yes. Yeah. No, no, I'm so I was short. I have really long arms. I have a short torso, but like I, I could definitely jump. That's so, funny. yeah. Now, you know, I'm an East Coast guy. I went to college in Connecticut at Quinnipiac. I don't know if you've ever heard of that school. It's a mid-major. We're over in the Mac, Iona, some schools like that. But you know, it was very cold. You know what I'm saying? Up in Connecticut, I always I did get recruited by Cal State. Uh, what was it? Fullerton. I think it might have been Fullerton. Um. Mm -hmm. I was wondering what it was like to go to school out there, though, man. I feel like is it? I feel like my dream of, of going to school in Cali is like you're on the beach and it's like great vibes all the time. So, what was your experience like at UC Riverside? Is it is that is that like I don't know what part of California that's in though. So I don't know. Maybe it was a little bit different. But... Inland Empire. It's hot. It's dry. You're nowhere near the beach. The beach <laughs> is an hour and a half away. So I was. I was only like an hour from home and I'm about like 20, 25 minutes from the beach. Mm. Um, so I think, I think one thing that was hard about recruiting to a school like UC Riverside versus a UC Irvine, which is where I currently live now. And it's closer to the beach. It's when I was in college, our teams were probably like uh, competition wise quality, I guess, like same level. We were the bottom of the big West. Um, but demographically, like, or ge not demographically, geographically, it was more appealing to be at UC Irvine than it was UC Riverside, just because of the location, you know, UCI, you're closer to the beach, UC Riverside, you're on your way to Palm Springs. And so it definitely was hard to recruit to a school like that. Um, but I went because I love the coaches. They had been coaching me since, uh, I was like a sophomore in high school and I knew I was going to be able to come in and compete and potentially start right away as an outside. So that was what was most appealing. Cause I was, you know, there were coaches that really believed in me. Yeah. Love it. So, you know, kind of switching gears from volleyball into that basketball space, right? Were there any, 
was there like a learning curve for you and like learning the nuances of the game um, and trying to figure out like, all right, like what's going on in, in certain aspects of it? I mean, I know it's different when you're on the business side of it versus playing, but like, was there ever an adjustment period that had to take place when you're transitioning into the business of basketball is trying to kind of learn the ins and outs uh, of the game compared to what you were doing, obviously playing, playing volleyball? Um, not so much because I wasn't coming in to be an agent. Um, I mean, at the time when I was interning and doing all those things, so kind of a backstory, I originally wanted to do sports broadcasting, realized I hated hearing my voice projected after doing summer league for two or three years. I was like noticing who the top agents were. I was seeing how male dominated was and I like wanted to come in and disrupt it. And so at one point I did want to be an agent. Um, and so having wanted to do that at the time, that made sense, but I like where I'm at now and what I'm doing, it didn't, I understand the basic concepts of the game, but I don't sit and talk to my guys and like break down their game afterwards. Cause that's just not my <laughs> expertise. Um, so I wouldn't say that the transition from playing volleyball to working in basketball was hard or like different in any way, because it's really about relationships and I'm a relationships person. So it was honestly second nature. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, I think you brought up a great point just about relationships. And, you know, you mentioned how kind of at Summer League, the uh, you were able to get that first opportunity, just kind of being right place, right time, knowing the right people. Um, talk about just the power of relationships nowadays. I feel like everybody said it's so cliche. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. But I feel like in the business of basketball, like that's literally facts. You know what I'm saying? It's oftentimes just about, like you said, being in the right place. I remember when I was in LA too. I mean, because my brother was working for the Clippers, I was able to meet so many different people. Like I met the founder of Switch Cultures. I mean, different photographers. Shout out my boy Mike, Mike C. Uh, I met Daryl from Gradient Visuals. It was just so many. I'm like, damn, I've been out here for like two weeks and I'm already networking with so many different people. And um, it's truly a hub. So I just want to talk about, I want to ask you just about, you know, being on, on this side of it now, how important is it to have relationships, um, have those connections? that you can leverage for certain opportunities? I think relationships are probably more important than a degree Mm. uh, in this industry. Um, I think when it comes to like marketing and branding and stuff, obviously going to school and like knowing it by the book is helpful. But I mean, I went to school for media and cultural studies and was watching Quentin Tarantino films and that had nothing to do with what I'm doing now. Um, My relationships have a lot to do with me being in the position that I'm in now. Obviously, like my relationships and then the experiences, the work experience that I've had has led to this, but I don't think it necessarily had anything to do with um, a course that I took in college. So I think relationships are super, super important. And I think it's kind of put things into perspective. So my junior season after that season, I had torn my labrum. And so I was like, trying to figure out if I should transfer and redshirt and then, you know, go somewhere else and uh, start my master's. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a friend because I felt like my, my degree wasn't helpful to like where I was trying to get to. And I talked to a friend that was at Nike at the time. And I was like, do you think that I need my master's? And he was like, you know, before I got the job at Nike, I was going to get my master's, but I happened to get this. So I didn't. And he's like, relationships are everything. And that kind of gave me a little bit more peace of mind because I was so worried, like, I'm not getting anything out of this degree that I can tell. Um, Like, what if, you know, what if I need to go get my master's in something else? Um, But he 
he assured me and I'd stand by it. Relationships are seriously everything. 100%. Get a degree. That definitely helps. <laughs> facts, facts. At least, at least have it, you know, on, on the resume. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Um, now, you talk about just your role with, with Live Sports, and I kind of want to get into that. Like, what is your your role? What what, what kind of tasks fall under your responsibility? Right? I feel like when people hear, you know, somebody's a, a manager or athlete manager, they're like, huh, okay, cool. Well, what does that actually look like, right? Like, what tasks actually fall under your kind of job description, right? So can you just kind of talk a little bit about what your role is uh, at Lyft? Yeah, I mean, I think to kind of summarize it, I'm a facilitator. I'm an extension of my boss, who is the head agent. Um, you know, he handles all the contract negotiations, the shoe deals, mark like those sort of things. And I'm an extension of him. So all the day-to-day -day needs of our guys, whether that's, you know, making sure they're staying on top of their obligations with brands that they're working with or booking a dinner reservation or flights or, you know, I, I, there's nothing that's off limits. And I try to be as helpful to our clients and their families as possible. So I probably sometimes am like say yes to too many things, but I just want them to always know that they have me as a resource. And, you know, it could be working with Nike to get t-shirts for their ba summer basketball camp, like working with the teams, getting family tickets. It's, there's really nothing that's off limits. It's everything. <laughs> nice. Now is Mike Miller still the head agent at, at uh, Lyft? Yeah, I think Mike is like, is the president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When okay. my boss joined, I think they were, KB's like head agent. I think Mike is president. I, Got you, got you, got you. Yeah, shout out Mike Miller, man. He was somebody I looked up to. I, 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 I think like to think I'm a, I'm a shooter. So for me, watching Mike Miller as a shooter was like, hey, I remember him winning that championship with LeBron back in the day. So I'm loving seeing what he's doing now with with Lyft. You know what I'm saying? Um, been around with him a couple times, and he's I think only like two or three, but he's been great every time that we've interacted. So I like him. <laughs> that's dope. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, now, who were some of the players that you had the opportunity to work with um, through your through your job at, at Lyft? So I currently work with, I mean, we have like Patrick Beverly, PJ Washington, Tyce Jones, Trey Jones, Max Christie, Ty Ty Washington, PJ Dozier. Um, those are some of the guys that Kevin Bradbury, my boss, represents. Um, I'm not, I don't like work with Pat Bev much at all just because he's, such a seasoned vet and he's got his people that he works with and it works. And so when he was in LA, I helped with a couple things, but for the most part, KB, uh, Gina Paradiso, who works with us and is brilliant. She works with him. Um, but yeah, I would say like the Jones brothers um, are guys that I, I really work with. Max Christie, Ty Ty, PJ I've known for a really long time, Doge or Washington and then PJ Dozier's that's, that's my guy. <laughs> Nice man, shout out Peter Dozier, man. I played against him back at the uh, Reebok Reebok uh, breakout camp back in 2014. Um, we've been we've been cool ever since. He's from South Carolina too. He's really cool with one of my homies, Jordan Bruner, man. But um, I wanted to ask you, like, why do you think it's so important for these athletes to have management, right? Because I feel like, you know, I, as as an athlete myself, it's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that you might need help with, but sometimes you might not. It's, it's hard. You have a million different things, especially when you get to the NBA level and now you're bringing, like you mentioned, brand deals and all every type of thing. So why do you think it's so important for people to have, you know, managers to kind of handle these type of things that so that they can kind of focus on what goes on on the court? Well, I think it's just that. I think 
having an agent, you know, your financial advisor, uh, your client service person that helps you with your career allows you to focus on what you're being paid to do, which is play basketball, you know, and then obviously getting on advice on things when it comes to like, then becoming a businessman, like, I, I think it's exactly that. It's just, you're able to focus on your profession and you have a team of people that are experts essentially in what they do to represent you and work on your behalf. Yeah, yeah. Now, how would you say, you know, what is the process like, um, I guess how I would say, how important is it to like know each individual client when trying to assess you know, which opportunities might be best for them, right? Because I'm sure that there's a lot of companies or, you know, brands that might want to work with, you know, ex-athlete. But at the end of the day, every player has a different brand identity. Every player kind of shows up differently, um, you know, in the public space. So when it comes to trying to decipher those type of things, you know, how important is like knowing each individual client when trying to um, assess those type of things? I think for me, so I don't focus so much on like the the marketing deals. We have a team for that. Um, but I think for me and my relationships, it's really important because I do work with the marketing team. And so knowing them, their interests, um, I'm able to speak on their behalf without having to, you know, go back and forth. Right. Um, so I, I definitely think it's helpful. And, and I think authenticity is so big, you know, um, because everyone wants to deal with Chipotle, but like, why are you different than the next athlete? And I think that's something that like athletes need to understand is, yeah, you're a professional athlete and you make a lot of money, but like, so, so is this person. So like, how do we set you apart? Um, and it be authentic and, you know, we show the brand why they should work with you. Right. Right. Um, I kind of want to get your opinion on this. Cause I feel like from the outside looking in, I feel like, you know, the new age athlete in 2023 is like, stepping into so many different like lanes and kind of prime example, like obviously I think it was last month was fashion week and you're looking at in Milan and Paris, so many different athletes out there. You was sitting front row. Dude, I didn't even, didn't even know was interested in, in fashion was out there. I'm like, yo, what? And it's like, I feel like today's athlete is just stepping into a bunch of different type of avenues, whether it be business, you know, fashion, or even just different type of hobbies. Um, how important is it, would you say, uh, for athletes today to be able to diversify the things that they're interested in in order to, I guess, um, you know, set themselves up to, I guess, be this idea of, you know, more than an athlete or just, can you speak on this, the, the importance of, I guess, diversifying the things that you're interested in? I think just like being multifaceted and not only being a basketball player brings more opportunities to you. So like, we have Max is like super into anime. A lot of guys aren't into that, but that's something he's like, he doesn't travel the path that everybody else does. He's very much like out of the box. He likes what he likes and he doesn't conform with what, you know, a lot of the guys I feel like do when they get to the NBA and that sets him apart that alone, you know? And so I think that, I think just being multifaceted brings you more opportunities. Point yeah. Blank. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for that. No, for sure. <laughs> I feel like sometimes, like again, I just I, just, I want to get your opinion on this too, because I feel like sometimes players can get kind of villainized for stepping into different lanes or doing different things. I feel like somebody like Kyle Kuzma, for example, people always will make comments on his 
his fashion and that whole clip with uh, I don't know if you saw it, with him and like Spencer Dinwiddie were going back and forth. Where Spencer Dinwiddie was like, "Oh well, your interests tend to vary because you're doing all these extra things." It's like, well, why does it have to be painted as a negative because somebody's into fashion or doing these different type of things, right? Like, I feel like on the one hand, you want to be multifaceted and kind of show that you have more size to you than basketball. But then on the other hand, I feel like sometimes it can be used against you um, in public forums where people can say, oh, he's not focused or, you know, he's not really committed to basketball, right? Like, what is your two cents on that? I think it depends on the person. I think some guys get to the league and, like, they just – not to say Kyle Kuzma doesn't love basketball, but some people it's like basketball, 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 and that's it. And then they don't show their personality outside of that. Whereas someone like Kyle is capitalizing and wants to show him outside of being a basketball player, but he wants to show that side of him. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think maybe if it gets in the way of what you're supposed to be doing on the basketball court, maybe if your teammates and, they're more focused on that than like trying to win. I could see where like someone would say something, but if it like doesn't affect you in any way, someone showing the different side of them should have no effect on you at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think people kind of use it as a, a weapon sometimes. It's like, I don't, I don't really think it should be weaponized in that way. Um, yeah, I agree. From your experience, what would you say is, you know, when you're working with young guys, you mentioned, you know, Max Christie, and I'm sure you have a bunch of other guys that are like kind of young, kind of transitioning into the NBA. What would you say is the most difficult part or the the thing that's kind of most challenging for new players when they're first adjusting to the NBA? I think probably just, and I'm not, you know, in their shoes, but I think going from a student athlete where, you you know, you've been in school to where, you know, in the NBA, the best players are going into the league at a younger age. Yeah. Um, so to be 18, 19 years old, going into the league and making a lot of money and you're getting paid to literally play basketball. And then it's like, what do I do with my spare time? Yeah. You have to find things that you're interested in. <laughs> so um, I think that's probably something that's really hard. You touched on it a little bit earlier, but being a woman in a male-dominated industry like basketball right you mentioned majority of agents are are men and i feel like if you look at the basketball front office you know the majority of people in those spaces are are men right what would you say has been i guess number one the most challenging aspect in trying to um assimilate into this industry and then i guess the most pleasant experience that has come with you know being a woman in this industry um I've had conversations like this before and I feel like I don't have the typical answer that like most women give. Um, I think probably the toughest is just like before I was established and working, um, you know, I got my first big girl job at 27 and I was working with my same guys and my same boss, but just at a a different agency. And I think before that I was, had so many relationships, but I was never planted anywhere. Like I, I worked for Rob Plinka for a short period of time. I worked for Joe Dumars for a short period of time, but it was like, nothing was sticking. And so it was hard to sometimes, I guess, be taken seriously. And I cared about all the relationships that I had developed over the years. Um, but I mean, I guess the, the kind of obvious is like just being in a woman, being a woman in it and like, trying to make connections to get a job and then men sometimes 
you know, trying to hit on you or whatever. Like that's just kind of like the natural thing that happens. And I think I've dealt with, but for the most part, I feel like my experiences have been relatively pleasant because one, I know who I am and I'm very outspoken. And so when I feel like someone is speaking kind of out of line, I have no problem like checking them. And so I think that then forces them to respect me, right? Um, and I think also having worked for someone like Kevin Bradbury, who I've worked for the last two years, he's literally the best boss I've ever had. And not to say Rob or Joe weren't, like I had great experiences with both of them. Yeah. Rob gave me my first opportunity to work for an agency. I got to experience the NBA draft and the combine in 2016. Um, but working for someone that has genuinely empowered me and um, gives me like confidence and defends me. If, you know, he doesn't ever let anyone talk to me crazy. He empowers me to make my own decisions. And if I make a mistake, it's okay because I'm able to learn from it. Um, and we just had like real life conversations. And so I think I've been fortunate um, in that regard. I mean, and having clients that, you know, I have great relationships with their families, um, but the ones that are married, I have great relationships with their wives, the, the young ones, like Ty Ty's dad defends me like I'm his little sister you know so I think for the most part I've had pretty I've, I've been pretty fortunate that's great or I'm just completely oblivious to it all <laughs> I don't notice. it's one or the other <laughs> that's great I feel like the NBA is one of the more progressive leagues when you compare it to like the NFL um and things like that and as far as just like trying to be inclusive and things like that so it is positive to, to hear that um one thing I wanted to ask you about since since you brought it up was the whole kind of thing about, you know, men trying to hit on you and stuff like that. I was listening to um episode of The Pivot with Taylor Rooks, and uh, she's somebody who I look up to a lot as somebody who's like in the media space and things like that. Um, she's uh, she's awesome. But she was talking about how they kind of asked her how, you know, Taylor, like, how does it feel that, like, you know, whenever you're pictured with a guy, like, they assume that you're dating them or, like, you know, how do you navigate dating in this space? Because obviously you're a public figure and, um, she mentioned how she has a, a relationship and she keeps it private and all that kind of stuff. But she mentioned how it's like, no matter what she wears, people will comment on her appearance and she can be doing an interview with somebody, you know, fully clothed and like, oh, well, she looked this way. Right. So I wanted to ask you, right. Um, I feel like the NBA is people make assumptions. I'm not here to say whether it's true or not about the nature of the business as far as players and the girls and all that kind of stuff. But I want to ask you more so about how you deal with that kind of stuff, man. I feel like when it's a woman in a space like this, you're working with professional athletes, people always will assume that, oh, well, so-and-so, she must be dating this player, doing these type of things, right? Like, how do you kind of deal with that? Or people will say, oh, well, she's only in this space because she's attractive or whatever the case may be, right? Just that whole landscape of topics, right? How do you, how do you, how do you deal with those things? What do you got to say to people who, will make those type of comments, right, on the internet, things like that. I feel like um, this is like a learning opportunity or opportunity where you can kind of, maybe speak to somebody who maybe even listen to this that might have those type of thoughts, right? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that whole idea? Um, I think that years ago, I used to, I'm so sorry. Okay. Years ago, I used to always explain how, or like felt like I had to explain how I knew somebody. Mm -hmm. um, especially because I wasn't established. So it was like, I know this person because I worked Adidas Nations, I worked Summer League and, you know, we, we were cool and, and, and things like that. 
and then I realized like the more that I tried to explain this myself the more it seemed like I had something to hide and so I just got to a point where I'm like I'm not doing anything and I don't owe anyone an explanation um I met them at an event that I worked and I like you know before I was established I think also it was like connecting with people will help me maybe get a job and I was connected with them genuinely um yeah. but you know I was always told or like you know thought that like your network is your net worth and so it was like build your relationships and create as many relationships as you can and yeah. maybe that'll turn into a job and I think now I deal with things or I hear things and I, it goes through one ear and out the other because I know that I've worked extremely hard to get to where I'm at and I'm sure that if I did things a little bit differently or I would have probably gotten to a position that I wanted sooner, but I'm in the position that I'm supposed to be in because I took the path that I did and I, I waited or maybe I was afraid to ask for help when I was younger, but I'm kind of glad that it all worked out the way that it did. But I think when it comes to people making assumptions, I think that has more to do with someone needing to change their own mindset than like me changing what I'm doing to make them comfortable or change their perspective. Like that's not, it's up to me. Like you had your mind made up from the beginning. So right. I'm not going to try to change it. That's so good. That's so I never thought about it like that. As far as like always having to say, oh, I know somebody from this part. I know somebody from this place. Um, and that can definitely be a crazy burden to wear, you know what I'm saying? Especially when, you know, men don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. You post a picture with anybody, it's like, yeah, this, this the bro, it's the homie, you know what I'm saying? Um, do you ever feel like when you're in public or, you know, you're at games or you may be with a, a client, right? Do you ever feel like you have to like, I guess, be mindful of, you know, the way you're talking to them or if you like, if you hug somebody, oh, people are gonna think I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Do you ever have to think about those type of things? Or it's kind of like, you know what? I know what the relationship is between me and PJ or me and Ty Ty. I'm not worried about what y'all think. You know, how do you kind of um, balance those things? Cause at the end of the day, you, like, you do have to keep it quote unquote professional, but you have a relationship with these people. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, you, you know these people's families, their dads and their parents. So there is a genuine relationship there, right? So I guess, how do you balance, um, just those interactions in person when you have to, I guess, keep both of those things in mind. I don't pay them any mind because I know I'm doing my job. Um, so it's not even like, it doesn't cross my mind until maybe I'm meeting someone. Like I, I had one interaction. Um, this was probably like last off season and <laughs> there were people that came to watch one of our guys from a team. I won't say what team. Yeah. And I'm standing with my client and one guy that I was not familiar with me and I was not familiar with him was like, oh, are you? And I'm looking at him because I know where he's going. And he's like, are you? And I'm like, am I what? And I kind of like snapped at him. And he's like, he's like, are you guys like dating? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I work for him. And he was like, oh, my bad. Like you guys, you guys look cute together. And I'm like, but why, why does it have to automatically be that? Why yeah. can't I work why do I have to be the sister? Why do I have to be the girlfriend? You know, like I'm, I'm the client service person. That's I'm Ashley. That's who I am. And so um, in those instances, I, at this point in my career, I like to like just play with people a little bit just because I'm like, let's see where you're going to go with this, you know? But I think with Max, I've gotten, are you his sister a couple of times because people think we look alike. Um, but outside of that, I don't, I don't really pay attention to it because I, I know what I'm doing. I'm 
like I said, I've worked really hard to get here and I wouldn't do anything to mess that up, you know? Um, and if someone's paying attention to how I hug somebody, like get a life. <laughs> First of all, a stranger that you don't know, he don't know you coming up asking, oh, are you dating them? Like, boy, you right, exactly. been this shit? <laughs> exactly. So I just, I don't, I don't hold any mind. That's, that's dope. That's dope. Um, are there any like women that you look up to in this industry or like, um, I, I did some research and I, I, I read that you said that you wanted to eventually be in the NBA front office one day. So like, are there any, that's, that's what I read at least. Maybe that wasn't true. That's what I read. That's what I, that's what I read. Maybe the article, I'm at the, I'm at the see the link after this so you can see what was. Yeah, what, please what, do, because I don't know where I said that. <laughs> but do you have any people? I'm not exploring it, but I don't know if I, that's the end goal. No. I'm dead. I'm dead. All right, cool. <laughs> well, I'm glad we cleared that up. But kind of on that same topic, though, are there any other women in this industry that you may look up to or um, reach out to for advice? Um, I guess I feel like everybody kind of has people who you might, oh, I think she's dope, whatever. But like, I think, were there any inspirations kind of for you, or, or even growing up, women who you looked at, it was like, yo, like, um, you know, I think, I think she's, she's super inspiring. Yeah. I think I have two women that are like big sisters and mentors to me. Um, one is Shay Dawson. We did summer league together a couple, like back when I interned, she's worked at overtime. She's worked for the 76ers and I adore her so much. She's one of my mentors. Um, and then, uh, Melissa LaCorte, she works on like the football. So I think she worked in basketball, like back in the day but manages a lot of like NFL guys and same thing. They're actually best friends and Melissa and I have gotten super close and she's a mentor to me. I love her to death. Um, I think people in the industry that I admire from afar. Um, I know Taylor Rooks a little bit, like we're cool. I got to go to her birthday party a couple years ago, <laughs> um, but I like love and respect her so much and everything that she's doing and how authentic she is. Um, who else? I mean, I think there's a lot of women, but I'm just so big on like genuine, authentic relationships that I kind of sometimes struggle with connecting with women sometimes mm. because I think it's like, oh, we're both women in sports and we should be friends and keep up with each other. But like, maybe we don't align morally, you know? And so when it's like, we should connect for that sole purpose, I kind of struggle with it because mm. I'm just big on like, my best relationships are people that I've met organically, you know? And so I've just always stood on that, but I guess those are three to name a few. There's more for sure, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Sure. I want to ask a follow up. I think that you made a great point. And I feel like, you know, you mentioned how sometimes you feel like it's tougher to like, I guess, make genuine relationships with, with women. Right. I feel like a lot of my female friends will say, you know, I got a bunch of male friends. It's not that I don't like women, but I just feel like sometimes based on your interests, like you mentioned in your personality, you might just align more with, with guys. Um, do you feel like, I guess, or I should ask, what do you think has, do you feel like you personally like would have more like guy friends and female friends given like the industry that you do work in because you're around guys so much as far as the people who you work with and things like that? Or do you feel like, um, I don't know, I, what, what are your thoughts on, on that whole dynamic? Like, do you think that it's tough to kind of make friends with, with women in this industry? Because I know you just said it's kind of, it's kind of hard because of the organic. It's like, oh, we, we're just going to be friends because we're doing the same thing. I, like, I think because it's so male dominated and there's not a lot of women. I think we try, like we as women try to make connections, but then at the same time, there's people that try to like 
put us against each other. Um, and I think that's why I kind of have reservations and like, I don't, I'm probably not the best at like putting myself out there to connect with people. I'd rather, you know, someone come to me or like, you know, us be at the same place and meet each other rather than it being like a Instagram DM and like, we're complete strangers, you know? Um, I think that again, because it's male dominated, I have a lot of male relationships and I've always worked for men. Um, a lot of my opportunities have come from men, but I know there's a lot of women that have also put my names in, in hats that I didn't know about, you know, and I'm definitely appreciative of that. So I'm not like, I don't lean more towards the side of like having relationships with men or having relationships with women. I think I'm just like, whoever I vibe with organically, those are my people. <laughs> like period. Thanks, thanks. So what advice would you give to, you know, another young black girl that might be coming up and like, you know, I want to work in sports, right? I want to kind of take this, this, this avenue, right? Um, obviously, we've talked a lot about you being a woman in sports, which is a huge part of it. But I think, you know, you being a black woman in this space is also something that's important to highlight, you know, because um, it's like, it's, 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 it's even harder to get in these opportunities, you know what I'm saying? Being, being African-American and stuff like that. So I want to talk about what advice would you give to another young black girl who's trying to pursue this industry um, and trying to, you know, be the next Ashley Cox? I think the best advice that I could give is be confident in who you are um, and keep your head down and work. I think I was taught when I did, uh, when I interned with the NBA Summer League, like your ego is not your amigo. And I stand by that 10 years later because if you think that you're above any task, you're only getting in your way, in your own way. You know, um, there would be things that we would have to do at summer league, like sit by an elevator for two hours. That was not the most glamorous, but that was also the elevator that only team personnel could go through. And so if you looked at it that way, that's an opportunity to connect with someone from a team. So I think it's just Put your ego aside, keep your head down and work, and then just be confident in who you are. Don't necessarily be cocky, but like be confident in who you are. Um, and I think that will help you get to where you're trying to go. Love that. Love that. What would you say is if you could be like, you know what, five years from now or 10 years from now, right? This is maybe like my dream job or this is where I want to go. Cause we already established that Ashley does not want to work in the NBA front office, right? <laughs> that might change five years I don't know maybe so what 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 would like a dream role look like for you okay so we said how I like want to do sports broadcasting then I thought I wanted to be an agent and then I realized how grimy it was and I was like I'll cry every single day if I'm an agent I think my goal has always been to have my own boutique style management company because I'm I feel like relationships are where I flourish I might not have the marketing down you know like you know the book would tell you or anything like that but I am really good with maintaining and nurturing relationships and so that would be my goal like doing off the court off the field like concierge management type stuff maybe a little bit of marketing I feel like I haven't dabbled in that a lot to where I'm super confident in it right now but I'm also in a place where like I'm two years into being established in the position that I'm in and I'm just trying to be super present in it and learn as much as I can. And so I'm 
this might sound bad, but I'm trying not to look too far into the future because I want to be great at what I'm doing right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I think people always say kind of like live in the moment. I think it's always interesting how like life can take you in a bunch of different directions. You might say you want to do one thing and then it's like, well, how did I end up here? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, and I think in an industry like this, like there's the ebbs and flows of the business. It's not your normal nine to five. You're on the clock 24 seven, 365 days a year. And so knowing that, like no two days are ever the same. It's hard for me to look too far ahead because I sometimes don't even know what's happening next week. Like I might find out tomorrow, I have to go somewhere in three days, you know? So I'm like, I can try to plan out five or 10 years from now, but something could change next week. You know, you just never, you never know in this industry. My brain is mush right now, sorry. No, you're good. I feel like that's so interesting because I thought about that uh, when you're responding about how your job is essentially 365, right? You're a basketball player. This is our off season. You know what I'm saying? We chilling. You can go on vacation, but it's always things to do as far as events. People have camps in the summer, like you mentioned, right? You're trying to maybe get a little bit more into the endorsement side of things in the off season, right? So, Damn, I didn't. What does that look like for you, man? Like, do you ever get to like take vacation? Do you do you ever get a, like a, a chunk of time off, or is it really just like twenty four seven three sixty five? I'm working. Like how? And then I guess how is that challenging? Also, because there isn't really like a downtime, you know, for you. Well, I think, like I said, there's the ebbs and flows of the business. I think the summer is obviously our busiest time. Well, the spring and the summer, you're going through the pre draft process, the draft, then you have summer and camps and and a lot of things that the guys, you know, deals that they might have that they're that you handle in the summer as opposed to in season because it's hard to schedule um sometimes. So I think season is sometimes a little bit more chill. I think I'm still learning or trying to figure out when people take vacations, but I think it's around like August, early September when the guys start like going back, you know, to their team cities. Um but I'm definitely still navigating that, like trying to figure out my mom and I just had a conversation about it last night because she was like, you know, you, you don't have like PTO. And I was like, yeah, no, it's non-existent, I feel like in our industry. <laughs> like, but it's because like, you know, the summer towards the end of summer, there's downtime. So you do have that time to go MIA for a little while. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then it's back to the grind, but it's just part of the business. Yeah. How do you deal with burnout? Because I feel like that's something that when it comes to the NBA is major, right? And even talking to my brother, um, this last year he was a um he was like a sports operations intern, but he kinda you know how it is when you're an intern, you do a little bit of everything. He's on the court working dudes out, and he's going upstairs and helping with like scouting and watching film and they have him doing all type of stuff. And he was talking about the culture in the NBA, right? Especially when you're coming in as an intern, right? Um, you're you're supposed to be in the facility before the GM gets there and you're supposed to leave, you know, after the last player is there and you're supposed to kind of just grind, grind, grind and work. And it's like, I feel like throughout the NBA, whether you're a player, you know, they say you're supposed to be the first person in the gym, last person to leave gym. And like, I feel like no matter what role you're in within the NBA, it's always a grind and you're on the go. So how do you deal with burnout in this type of business to where, like you mentioned, it's always something you're always working. Um, that can be tough on the mental, right? So how do you how do you deal with burnout personally? Um, I think I've gone. I've, I'm at a place now where I've kind of figured not figured it out, but I'm I'm better about it. And I think it's just finding 
the balance, I guess, of like not taking on too much at one time and honestly just communicating, communicating with your boss, communicating with your clients. Like if it's something, if a request comes in maybe late at night um, and you feel like maybe it's not super pressing, like there's nothing wrong with being like, do you mind if I handle this tomorrow? What's the worst they can say? No. Okay, no. And then you handle it. Um, but I think also just like finding time, depending on the time of the year, right? The ebbs and flows, like, okay, I, I got to grind in the spring. When we were at our previous firm, the spring I lived at the gym, you know, I was there in the morning, making sure breakfast was there for the guys. And I was the last one to, you know, pretty much to leave because they had workouts twice a day. But I just knew like, you just got to grind through these two and a half months, you know, it's part of the business. And then you get a break in August, like just grind through April to July, you know? And, but I think the biggest thing is like communicating. And if you feel like you have a lot on your plate, like, okay, figure out what's the most pressing right now. Like what needs to be handled now and what can maybe wait around my birthday. I like made it very clear. Like I'm going MIA for my birthday. I was in Vegas for 11 days. Don't call me from Friday to Monday. <laughs> Be so clear on it. And they were okay with it. You know, like they know that I worked hard and my boss was 100% okay with it. He's like, enjoy your weekend. And so I just think communicating and knowing how to prioritize things can kind of help with burnout. But obviously like when you're starting out and that's where I say like your ego is not your amigo. Like you got to pay your dues. And that's not to say that like kill yourself getting someone's coffee, but you, you got to grind at some point. And depending on the role that you want, you know, whether you want to work for a team or an agency, like I think on both sides, you're pretty much on call at all times. You know, my boss will sit and say like, he takes his family on vacation and he feels like he's not able to be present because, you know, your phone's always ringing. Um, and so unfortunately it's part of the business and I think you need to decipher like do I want to be part of this or not but I think when it comes to just like balancing burnout like recognizing it and then just communicating you know if you do need a day or hour a couple hours to just like debrief you know find something that you're interested in that kind of can like take your mind off of the, of the things that you're working on because I think for me being fully remote now my brain is like always spinning because I don't want to forget anything to where like at night I'm like sometimes up because I'm like okay did I forget something but you know create a list or to do like a task list and just work at it you know and and then communicate yeah what are some things that you've personally found that help you kind of get away or decompress when things are getting a little bit hectic for somebody who might be listening to this and like looking for kind of an escape or some tips that they can kind of implement into their you know routine what are some things that have helped you kind of get away when you're feeling overwhelmed um I would say going walks in my neighborhood has definitely been super helpful I feel <laughs> my happiest when I'm like out in the sun so I think that and like working out um I started working out with a friend this week and we're working out four days a week and I set it on my calendar like 10 30 to 12 is kind of my window like I'll handle work before then and then that's my hour and a half to just like focus on my workout and like blow off some steam and then you know have lunch and I continue working and so I think working out has kind of been the thing that's gotten my mind off of work for the most part love it love it um 
last question I'll ask you before we get into some lighter stuff. Um, where would you like to see the industry go in terms of becoming more accommodating or more acceptable? I know you said you have positive experiences, but I feel like there's always ways that you can improve as far as um, opening up more doors for women in this industry, um, making it more accessible, making it more accommodating. So um, where would you like to see the game or the industry go um, in maybe next five or 10 years and kind of opening up those doors or making these things more accessible for the next woman to come through um, and, and get their foot in the door? I think just like recognizing and accepting that having women in decision-making positions is better for everyone. Um, I think that's like probably the one thing that I would say is I think we're a lot more <laughs> rational than men. And I think the men that do recognize it know it. And so, yeah, I think just having, that's where you see more women in the NFL, like that are head strength trainers or position coaches, um, referees, um, agents, female agents that are head of, you know, football divisions or basketball divisions or whatever, like there's a reason for that because they know that they're not just the right fit, but they're just, they're more than capable. And so how to make more room for us. Period. While we're on the topic, you mentioned, uh, shout out to agent, uh, Nicole Lynn. She was an agent that, uh, negotiated Jalen Hurts contract, uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think she's the head of football operations at Clutch Sports, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I saw that. I was like, damn, man, that's dope. I think even in the NBA draft this year, they said that I don't think I don't think they were women, but I, I like to see, you know, black people getting their shine too. I think it's all five of the top five picks were represented by black agents and stuff like that. So I was dope to see, man. But you know, I will concede that a lot of times women are a little bit more level-headed than us, than us male, <laughs> us male folks. You know what I'm saying? So I do agree with that. Um and I think, you know, it's always important to have that diversity also as far as, you know, this another voice in the room, man, because there's too much testosterone, too much masculine energy. It never, exactly. never really works well. Exactly. exactly. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All right. So we're going to transition again to a little bit of a quick hitters, have some fun a little bit. Um, first thing I want to ask you, what is your favorite part of the job? And then what is your least favorite part of the job favorite part of the job is probably the experiences that um I've been afforded just from you know the lit uh excuse me lit, the draft um the pre-draft process the you know all-star weekends you get to experience summer league just the different the games playoff games game sevens all of that um are super fun I think that's the three percent of the job that's fun and glamorous um, you know, on top of working with some of the best athletes in the world, um, but that's only a, a small percentage of the job. The rest of it is, you know, really stressful and, and can be tough, but I definitely think that's one of my favorite parts. And I think just working with our different guys and their families and just the different re relationships and personalities that I get to experience, um, I love. And then I think a tough part or my not so favorite part of the job. Ooh. This word interesting. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the obvious would be like annoying people hitting on you. Like, you know, that something like that is probably not my favorite, but I also like I've gotten to a place where I kind of tune it out and it doesn't really affect me. Um, so I mean if I had to give an answer, maybe that uh 
And then maybe like when your clients or their families aren't happy, they might cuss you out. So <laughs> that's, that's maybe not my favorite either, but yeah. <laughs> that's never fun. Um, so cool. So all right, walk me through the craziest day or the craziest task that you had to sign. Maybe it was like on a crazy deadline. You had to scramble, get something done super quick. Um, let's talk about one thing that the first, I guess, experience that comes to mind, we think like, damn, like, I can't believe I pulled that off. That was wild. <laughs> Um, I don't, it's nothing like crazy, but the first thing that came to my mind was the draft last year when we had to, it was the morning of the draft. And so they were getting ready to leave for the brunch, the players and their families. And <laughs> I'm going to put them on blast for a second, but Tai's brother and cousin, uncle didn't have, I guess, like an appropriate t-shirt. So we went to like the H&M a couple blocks down the, you know, the street in New York. And it was like the one day that I, the previous day I was wearing like workout clothes. I was super comfortable. And then I was like, you know what? I probably should be a little bit more presentable. So the one day that I'm more presentable, I'm having to like sprint to H&M and find them clothes. And then we're sprinting back because the bus was literally going to leave them. And like, I'm sprinting, like they're behind me and I'm like, hurry up, hurry up. And I'm, sweating and like literally stopped the bus and they were able to get on and it was just a mess <laughs> so that's probably one of the most <laughs> stressful um things that I can think of off the top of my head I know there's plenty more but that was like a funny stressful one and I was just like I'm never wearing I'm never dressing up again <laughs> during this time I'm wearing my hoodie and my leggings and I'm gonna call it a day <laughs> I am dead. I'm dead. Hey, listen, that's definitely crazy. Booking it through the streets of New York City is wild, especially with all them people. You sprinting like I was sprinting in a bodysuit and like jeans. Like it was not fun at all. And I'm like yelling at them to run, and they're just, <laughs> it was it was crazy. Man, all right. So on that same topic, right? Like I said, I spent a little bit of time in L.A., you know what I'm saying? I was only able to go to Clippers home games. I feel like going to Lakers home games is a little bit different. I know you frequent those pretty often. So from the outside looking in, I feel like when you go to a Lakers game, it's a little more pizzazz. People putting on their fits. You see celebs in the building, you know what I'm saying? Give us a fit. If you're trying to get, you know, you're trying to get cute. You're trying, you're trying to pull a nice little fit. What, what outfit are you throwing on to a Lakers game? Let's say it's, you no, know, I don't know. What's the problem? Lakers Celtics, right? Prime time. What fit you throwing on? Give us, give us the outfit. I think it depends on the time of the year. So I think that game is around December, which means we're like two, two and a half months into season. Yeah. I'm probably already over it at that point. So I'm going to be casual. I think um, I went to quite a few games last year and I like in the beginning felt pressure to like be dressed up. Like, I think the first game, it was like the Lakers versus the Clippers and I wore a blazer and I'm like, this is just not me. Like, I, not so much like streetwear, but just like presentable, but comfortable. Like, and there's so many games that I'm not going to stress about. And I'm not a sneakerhead, which is such an expensive um, hobby. Thankfully, I'm not a sneakerhead, but like, I felt pressure, like, oh my God, I'm going to like have the same four pairs of shoes in rotation, but like, who cares? Like, this is my job. I'm not here to like look good for anyone but myself. If I decide I want to dress up, I'll dress up. If I don't, I might come in leggings and what are you going to tell me? Period. <laughs> I think, 
I don't, I don't even think I think about like who the Lakers are playing. It's just like what I feel that day. Like, I don't know. Do I feel bloated? Maybe I want to wear a baggy sweatshirt. I don't know. <laughs> like it just depends if I have time, you know, maybe I might be up in LA cause I'm in orange County. So if I'm up in LA earlier in the day, I might not have the time to get done up or whatever, but most times I'm not, I'm not doing it for nobody else but myself. So heard you heard you now i did see that you were uh in the building when lebron broke the scoring record so i just wanted to ask you like what was the the what was that experience like what was the aura in the gym like that day um and then what does it mean to you to be able to kind of say yo i was there when lebron broke that record because that's something that i'm forever jealous of because lebron my favorite player of all time you know what i'm saying so i'm jealous of you for that you know i will say that i think in that moment i kind of realized how um not spoiled, but just like being in the position that I'm in and, and what my job is, like people were paying hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars to be in the building for that game. And I think I kind of took it for granted because I have a client on the team and I'm there to support him. Um, and I think before the game, like there was just so much more media, like it was very like overstimulating. Um, but I think just like when you think about it, it's like, okay, wow, I really did witness history and yeah. so it was after the fact where I was like you know what this is cool and I'm grateful my job like allows me to to have these sort of experiences right because so many people would pay or a lot of money or would wish to be there and like I got a ticket from my client and I'm just like okay this is a game, you know, um, but it was cool. I mean, a lot was going on, but I think to witness history, uh, it was, it was really cool. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I was there. Shout out Max for the tickets. <laughs> Max, shout out Max. Um, now we talked a bit about this off air, but I want to talk to you about modern day because I feel like, you know, modern day is one of the, the powerhouses I was seeing in sports. Um, talk about just some of the athletes that were around modern day, um, you know, when you were in school, um, and I guess if you have any, you know, funny stories from, from high school with any of those guys. Um, I mean, I didn't know him personally, but I was a freshman. I think when Matt Barkley was a senior, he was the quarterback, went off to SC. Um, I think he might be one of the backups for the Bills still. I, I'm not sure where he's at currently. Um, but I did play volleyball with his sister. She was a year older than me. Um, so he was there, obviously, Stan played basketball um all right cool cool cool. so next question is obviously I mentioned you know you mentioned your birthday you went out in LA right so give me your favorite LA spots to go out you know what I'm saying if you if you feeling out you stepping out you know if it's a restaurant club whatever case may be um what are your favorite spots to hit up after a Lakers game you gotta go go hang out where are your favorite spots to go okay so rewind I was in Orange County okay oh yeah um, but I honestly, these days in the last couple of years, I have not spent a whole lot of time in LA. I don't prefer it. I actually prefer my little Orange County bubble. Um, so the only times I'm really up in LA is when I'm going to crypto, oh, Staples Center. Um, and that's kind of it. I mean, maybe before I'll go eat with, you know, depending on if it's a game where the Lakers are playing one of our other clients. Um, like last season, I had dinner before with like uh, Trey Johnson, or, whew, 
Trey Jones's now wife, Maddie. Um, <laughs> so like, I'll try to get, you know, with our, our clients, you know, significant others, if they come into town, um, you know, if they are staying in the city and they do something after, might get dinner, might go out with it. But because I live so far, I tried to like, not, you know, say I'm totally available. <laughs> I'm just going to be like, oh, what are you doing after? Okay. And if they ask me, I'll go, but I'm not, I don't ever try to like impose or like be around just to be around. Um, I used to go out in LA so much when I was younger, like starting at 18. And so a lot of it's the same people doing the same thing to me. And I just, it's not really, I like to chill and do nothing. <laughs> that's, that's my, I like to just relax in my, on my patio, turn on the fire pit um, and chill. That's, that's what I like to do. But I do love food. So a good new restaurant, I'm, I'm always here for it. Maybe a lounge. I will say, I do like a good lounge. If there's somewhere with good music where it's like not super rowdy, I'm down for it. But like the turn up party stuff, you can miss me with all of it. <laughs> Heard you. How far is that drive from Orange County to LA? I've never been out to Orange County before. It depends on traffic. I think depending on where in LA you're going, it can take 45, 50 minutes Mm -hmm. with traffic. It can take an hour and a half, maybe even two hours. And so for Laker games, I was obviously getting there 90 minutes before the game started because I'd watch shoot around and stuff. Um, And so I wouldn't hit as much because I was leaving earlier, but you definitely still hit some as you get closer to the city. And then on the drive back, depending on what time the freeway might be closed down, you might have to take a detour and it's just annoying, but I like my bubble out here. Love it. Love it. All right. So we're going to play a little game of most likely to most likely to. So we got about, mm, I think it's like five or six questions and you could just rattle up the first client that comes to your mind when we ask these questions. <laughs> okay. Don't worry, I'm, not, I'm not gonna get anybody in trouble you know it's more so funny stuff you know okay all right most likely to pick up a check at dinner pick up a check at dinner pick up a check probably all of them mm, so nobody was like Ugh. no i mean okay who's at this dinner like is it me with my clients is my boss there because my boss there they're for sure having my boss pick if, up the if you're with your client so no boss if you're out with, with your guys and you know the fellas are out who who's picking i don't up think the they would let me i think maybe if it's like a lunch or something i'll try i'll try to offer but most times i don't mean like out of your clients like if your clients like if you know i got i, I got it fellas. you know I'll, I'll throw the card down no, they do it they they don't let me pay if I'm going to eat with my clients, most times I'll offer, um, especially if it's, you know, I'm getting reimbursed for it, but most times they, they take care of it. But if I had to say someone, I'll say PJ Dozier. Okay. You know, I've gone to eat with him so many times and he never lets me pay. So, mm. so I was going to say, who's the least likely to pick up a check. That's my next, my next question. <laughs> least likely. I don't think any of them. I think they well, maybe all if somebody's the most the most conservative about money, you know, more likely to go to a thrift store as opposed to the designer store, and most likely to you know, I guess, drive the the Chevy Tahoe as opposed to the Lambo. Who is the most, I guess, money money friendly person? I would say. Money friendly. Yes. Okay, let I'll say money friendly. Maybe Ty Ty. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, I would say, but even then, he would he would pay for it. Word. 
I'm glad, I'm glad you got good guys. Okay, you got good guys out there. You know what I'm saying? A good, good group. Yeah. Yes, great group. Bet, bet. All right, who's the most likely to end up on League Fits? Most likely to end up on League Fits? PJ Washington. Yeah. <laughs> Washington. Putting it on? Love it, love it. Okay, most likely to give you a headache with the last minute request? Give me a headache with a last minute request. Um, I think you get so many last minute requests that it's like, and it's part of the job that you can't, you can't even be like mad about it. It's just more so like, all right, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to try. We're gonna, we'll see, yeah. you know, but I, I get last minute requests from Tyus Jones, but they're never headed. Like I have no problem, but I do get some last minute requests. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, most likely to keep you waiting forever after a game. Robert Williams, because he'll leave. Uh, Robert, and he won't tell anybody. So definitely Rob. Man, that'd be, the worst. that'd be the worst. He'd be waiting like, damn, bro, a teammate's coming out. Where are they at? <laughs> Oh, it's Robert, yes. Yeah, definitely him. Mm. Did you hear that uh brief intermission? Did you hear that uh funny story? It was like a Jeff Teague story that went viral this week about uh he, been, left him. he was yeah, talking to He had the box of pizza. Yeah, he was like, I knew I was out of there. That yeah. is crazy. That was funny. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Um last last one. Most likely to be photographed at a Michael Rubin all white party. Well, none of my guys were there. Um, I know. That's what I'm saying. Most likely in the future, maybe, or to be be in the, you know, whatever Rock Nation brunch or Lift Lift Management brunch in a couple of years when y'all when y'all when y'all get that joint popping. But most likely to be in the mix. Okay, are these guys that I specifically work with or Lift clients in general? Oh, uh, you can go in general. You can go in general. Because I could probably see Pat Bev or like Paolo Bencaro. At Michael Rubin's party, I think. Word. Or like Dale Carter. Yeah, those are the three off the top of my head. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> All right, cool, 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 man. We won't take too much of your time, man. Last question. What a little bit. I was nervous. You know, I, I was gonna get you nothing crazy. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna protect the brand on the show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> questions. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna put you, you know, in no in no crazy positions. You know. <laughs> Um, last question we always ask, shout out to all the smoke. Uh, who is one person who we should have on the what's in your bag podcast, but whoever you say you got to get in your, your point guard bag and give us the assist and, and help us get them on. Ooh, wait, you said all the smoke podcast. No, okay. Shout out, shout out all the smoke. Cause this is a segment that we stole from them. This is the what's in your bag. Podcast. Oh, well, no, because I, oh, because Gina Paradiso, who I work with works on all the smoke. That's the one with, uh, Steven Jackson and yes. Matt Bart. Yes, yes, yes. So one of my colleagues, that's, she's behind all of that. Uh, oh. She's the boy. But, okay, wait, so what was the question? <laughs> Sorry. Who's one person who should, no, that was good, yeah. Who's one person who we should have on the, on the podcast? And whoever you said, you got to give us the assist with helping them, helping us get them on. Somebody who, this could really? be a, uh, this could be a business person. This could be a player. This could be somebody who has a dope story. Um, 
anything like that. There's no, no, no limits. I know so many cool people. Uh, I would probably use someone more on the business side. Um, have you interviewed anyone from a team? Um, we've had team photographers on. We haven't had anybody from like a team, like business, business. like front office, anything like that. Hmm. Oh my God, it's a lot of pressure. I wasn't ready for this one. Yes. Having to look through my contacts. Um, <laughs> who would I say that you guys should interview? I'm going to say my friend Katie Tong, and she's probably going to be so mad at me, but we worked together as she's the first person I thought of. Mm -hmm. We worked together at Landmark back in 2016 and um, like reconnected in the last year and a half. And like, that is my, oh my God, she's calling me. That is crazy. <laughs> right now. Can I answer it really quick? For sure, for sure. Wait, Katie, I'm going to call you back, but I literally just brought you up because I'm on this Zoom podcast interview thing and they were like, who is someone that you would, I forget the question, that who you would- have on the podcast? Who should we have on the podcast? It's like in the industry and I couldn't think and I was like, oh my God, Katie. I was like, because we worked together in 2016. I was like, and that's my dog. And then you called me. It's meant to be. Tell her it's meant to be. She has to come on the podcast now. It's it's like, it's written in stone. You You have to come on here now. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I'll connect you guys. <laughs> okay, I'll call you back. Bye. <laughs> I tell you, that's my girl. Like, okay, so I we didn't talk about this earlier, but like having gone to so many Laker games last season, and like being where I'm at in my, I got real serious real quick. Um, but being where I'm at in my career, like I never thought that I would be comfortable and okay with like going to games by myself, mm. but I am. And like, it's almost easier because I can, I can navigate the basketball space so confidently and comfortably now that I don't like feel like I need to bring a friend so that I don't feel like I almost prefer it because it's less of a headache. Like I have my, you know, my credential and I just navigate, I connect with who I need to connect with. I see my guys and then I go home. Um, but Katie has been like my road dog this season. Like when I have an extra ticket, she'll always go with me. She's the reason I've sat courtside for a half at a couple games because she knows every security guard in the building. <laughs> so um, that I love her to death and we have each other's back and I'm just, I love her to death. That is dope, man. Shout out Katie, man. You know, you're giving her flowers on this episode. <laughs> yeah. that is, that's dope. We love to see it. Love to see it. Um, this has been a great conversation. Um, I definitely want to first and foremost say thank you for coming on. Um, I learned a lot just by listening to your different perspectives about the industry, you know, so I want to say thank you for that. And, you know, I always try to end off every episode just giving, giving flowers, you know, I think that I always love seeing, you know, our people, you know, black people, black women in these, in these type of spaces, getting these type of opportunities. So, um, I really wanted to, you know, highlight that and have you give you opportunity to kind of just to, to, to speak on that and the wonderful things that, that you're doing in this industry. So I want to say keep killing it, keep doing great work. Um, hopefully when I'm back in LA, even though you're in Orange County, you know, let's put that out there for the folks. Actually it's in Orange County, but maybe hopefully we can, we can meet up in person, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I can't even claim where I was born because I didn't like grow up there. Like my friends that were, that 
were born and raised in Long Beach, they're like, no, you were in Orange County. I'm like, fine. I was born in Long Beach. I grew up in Orange County. Up there. But, uh, so maybe I can explore your, your side of town, you know what I'm saying? But um, definitely want to thank you for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Um, and continue killing the game. Thank you for having me on. I was nervous. I'm still getting used to like doing these types of things. So thank you for making it easy and comfortable. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Doubt, no doubt. All righty, guys, that was another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. As I said in the beginning, make sure you're liking this podcast, subscribing to this podcast, giving us a thumbs up, you know, a five star rating if you're listening to this on Spotify. It goes a long, long way. This is going to be my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the outro. Until next time, folks, peace. <laughs> I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.